I'm a little conflicted. I, I would have enjoyed just continuing singing and worshiping all morning. Thank you, Titus and Tapestry, for leading us in, in song. Recently, Barb and I took a trip to Ireland to celebrate 30 years of marriage, which, looking out at the congregation, some of you would consider a good start. Um, but it was a great trip. It was one of those bucket list trips for us that um, we traveled all over the south and, and western part of the island, took in some, some natural wonders that were awe-inspiring and reflected on the tragic history of, of my ancestry and as it related to the Ireland's potato famine. And that served as a catalyst for, uh, for many to cross the pond, as they say, probably in search for the perfect potato, but really, ultimately, in search for a better future for themselves and, and future generations. And I, I feel blessed that they did that because that's why I'm here. Uh, it was during that trip that Pastor Hank first reached out to me through email, invited me to come share with you this morning. I felt a little guilty because I, I couldn't respond right away. Um, I had spotty internet access. I was in a different time zone. Couldn't really check my calendar accurately to, to see whether or not um, my memory, memory was reliable enough to say yes or no. But when I got home and got my act back together, we settled on this date when I could fill in for him while, while he and Shell, I think they're in New Orleans, um, enjoying their own version of a good start to a, a marriage. Um, and with all this sentimentality of wedding anniversaries, I began to reflect on, on three little words that Barb and I have said to each other nearly every day of our marriage, often multiple times a day. I'd hazard a guess that as Hank and Shell are celebrating their anniversary, they're saying these words as well. And, and many of you probably do the same. You can probably guess what these three words are. They've become so much a part of our natural communication with each other. They punctuate nearly everything Barb and I do. And those three words, are you ready? <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. <clears throat> but we say it to each other just before going out to eat, just before starting on a joint project, when we need a break from that heat-induced work project that we've all been experiencing this summer, when we're prepared for vacation, all kinds of situations compel us to ask each other this question. In fact, just before leaving for church this morning, I amused myself a little bit and I yelled upstairs, are you ready? <laughs> it's a good question, really. God has a plan. And we have a part in getting ready to realize his plan in our lives. Honestly, when I first opened the email from Hank, and read his invitation, I was a little bit unnerved by the prospect, I'll, I'll confess to you. Even though I've spent years of my life preaching every Sunday, sometimes three times on Sunday for different prison populations, I'm a little bit out of practice. I'm out of shape as far as preaching goes. There's a rhythm to doing this kind of thing, right? 
And, and to use a sports analogy, it's the middle of the baseball season. I feel like a, a, a pitcher who hasn't stretched out his pitching arm. I can sure throw a ball, but maybe not as strong and hard. That's how I felt when I first read the email. But a funny thing happened almost immediately after I replied and, and agreed to share with you this morning. This passage in Matthew that we're about to read together nearly jumped off the page into my heart. And those three little words, are you ready, erased any hesitation, any anxiety, any apprehension I had about sharing with you this morning. So I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. I guess it's on the, on the wall. Maybe a little bit different translation, but you can follow along. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. 
And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the weary of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let's pray together. Truly, Lord, we live to worship you. You are a mighty God, awesome and wonderful in every way. Thank you for the opportunity to come and gather together where we can reflect on your goodness, where we can surrender our lives, our hearts, our relationships to you. And trust that you will care for, for all of the details. You'll provide everything for us when we lay our lives in your hand. There's no need for worry. There's no need for anxiety. There's no need for concern when we trust in you. Give us the kind of life, Lord, that accurately and genuinely reflects your spirit at work within us. Guide and direct us that all that we do may be done for your honor and your glory and your praise forever and ever. Amen. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor Hank share about Hagar, and he kind of prefaced his sermon with, I don't like this story, if you something like that, a paraphrase. I was excited, though, knowing what I was kind of reflecting on for this week, to think about how that story ends. At the end of this story, there's an intriguing bridge to the parable we just read from Matthew. I'm not sure Hagar was ready for the kind of mistreatment she had to endure. And it's pretty clear in that passage that she reached the end of her rope in despair. She was resigned to the fact that she was going to see her son die. But tucked away in the story is an interesting observation. So we're going to go back a week in time and look at Genesis 21 and just a passage, a a portion of that passage beginning um, in Genesis chapter 21. I'll read it for you. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away. Do you hear that? About a bow shot away. For she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, And hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. And this is the verse I really want to focus on. Verse 20 of Genesis 21. God was with the lad, and he grew. And he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. In the depth of Hagar's despair, 
She walked, and, and it's interesting that the distance description here, did you catch that? About a bow shot away. And even in the midst of her worst nightmare, God had a plan. She couldn't see it. She couldn't imagine it. But God somehow transformed that tragedy into triumph. And her son became an archer, conquering the bow shot distance. God's in the business of transforming our sorrow into the seed of future growth and accomplishment. It's very hard to predict or anticipate what that's going to look like before it actually happens. But time and time again, God reveals that a solution can emerge from the worst experiences we face. The things we struggle with today, the doubts we have and wrestle with, the challenges that we face, no matter what they be, whether they be health-related, financial, relational, emotional, these things often contain the seed for God's victory in our lives. And the reality is it's frequently very difficult, to, difficult for us to see the hope that's hibernating in that ungerminated seed in our difficulties and doubts. In our, uh, in our garage, we have little packets of seeds. You probably do too, somewhere in your house. And I confess, if there weren't pictures on those packages and I just opened up the envelopes, I couldn't even tell you what kind of plant 97% of those seeds would would generate. It's really hard to see the future in a seed. You ever notice also that when, when you cut apart an apple, it's really easy to count how many seeds there are in that apple? But it's impossible for us to count how many apples will come from a seed. Who among us can look back 5, 10, 20 years ago and honestly say that you fully expected your life to make the turns and twists and unfold in the way that it has. But haven't you learned? Haven't you grown? Haven't you celebrated and grieved loss in your life? Haven't you won and lost? Haven't you succeeded and failed? Were you ready for all of life's challenges? Were you ready for all of life's blessings? Or were you sometimes caught off guard? The parable of the sower and the seed is fascinating because Jesus teaches us that the condition of the soil will have an impact on how fruitful and effective the growth will be. And he used that wonderful turn of phrase that we see throughout the Gospels. He, and he means she as well. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So how do we get those kind of ears? How do we train our ears to hear? Let's consider the fact this morning, you and I have no control over the seed. We can't go into a lab and mix up a concoction and create a seed, right? 
The seed is the source of life, and it can only be created by God. But we do have some control over the soil. And we have a responsibility to tend that soil. So the question this morning, is your soul soil ready? The seeds that are in my garage have been sitting on a shelf, some of them for years. They have potential, but they haven't grown in their package, right? They're just waiting around until someone takes the time to plant them. I asked Barb if she was ready, but they've been sitting there because we know that it's going to take time and effort before planting them will be worthwhile. It will be super easy to rip open that package, open the door, and just fling the seeds. But we know that's just a rather expensive way to feed the birds, right? It's wasted effort. It bears no fruit. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. We were singing this morning, and, and I really appreciated the, the, the worship music set this morning uh, profoundly. But as, as we were singing the song, it struck me, some of these words that we're singing would make absolutely no sense to someone whose heart is not committed to following Jesus. I surrender all. How many of you would hand over your checkbook to somebody and say, here, have at it? That's in essence what we're saying when we're singing that song. How many of you would sign off your future to someone that you didn't trust would have your best interest at heart? It makes little, the gospel makes little sense until we prepare the soil of our soul to receive it. Paul himself wrote in 1 Corinthians, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We live in an age that often says, seeing is believing. But when it comes to the knowledge of the kingdom of God, it's more true to say what? Believing is seeing. Because God's word makes no sense to a hard-packed soul. We must begin to break through that, that crusty exterior of selfishness and re to realize the wonder of God. To begin to understand our relationship to him and the fulfillment that he brings. So the first step in breaking up that hard-packed soil of our soul is true worship. Just like tilling the soil is a necessary preparation for a seed to grow, worship is that intentional activity through which we realize and appreciate that otherness, the holiness of God, the awesomeness of the creator of the universe. It's what prepares our soul to receive the seed of the kingdom. And this is one of the reasons we intentionally open up our services every Sunday the way that we do, because it helps get us ready to receive what God has in store for us. 
from the very beginning this morning when Sheila had the call to worship, it was an invitation to till that soil in our soul. We lived in Arizona for a spell, and I loved it. You think it's hot here. But it was amazing to see how in the summertime, you know, they have a monsoon season in the southern Arizona desert. They call it a monsoon season. And the definition for that, I don't have this in my notes. I'm just giving this to you for free. Um, The definition for that is when there are 10 consecutive days of over 100 degrees Fahrenheit temperature, that's the monsoon season. And what, what happened every day during the monsoon season at roughly about five o'clock in the afternoon, the clouds would gather over Mount Graham, which is one of the biggest mountains in Arizona, and it was right outside our front window. This, the clouds would gather, and every day felt like a Moses on Mount Sinai experience, and the thunder would crack, and the, the no, the, what is it, lightning cracks, the thunder, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. And then it would rain, sometimes in buckets, and it lasted sometimes up to five minutes. Anyway, uh, after that happened, a lot of those seeds that were just laying there on the crusty desert soil would sprout forth, and there were some brilliant displays of color. It was flashy, it was pretty, and then it was dead. Because after all, this was the desert. The ground was hard, it was dry, rocky, inhospitable. The seeds scorched and withered. Worship is fundamental to kingdom life because it properly prepares the soul so that the seed of God's kingdom can begin to grow in our lives. And it takes some time to prepare that soil for sustained growth, though. It's not enough for us to rely on Sunday morning as our source of worship. Because worship can, it should be experienced in a wide variety of activities and events. It's what breaks up the hardness of our soul. It compels, compels us to submit to the will of God. It gives us reason, reason to surrender. It doesn't take effort after worship to surrender to God. Think about that. It gives us a setting where our soul seed can take root and begin to make us ready for what God has in store for us next. We have the opportunity to worship God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no holidays. Anytime you turn your inward gaze Godward, you have an opportunity to worship. You know, sometimes I confess when I'm um, at work and I'm feeling a little bit discouraged or frustrated, I'll point my browser, my web browser, to the Hubble telescope page and put on the screen one of the images of this wonderful universe and reflect, wow, our God made that. There's all kinds of things that you and I can do to engage in worship that's just the natural part of our life. Taking that opportunity to reflect on the goodness and the wonder of God. 
my family will groan, groan as I share that I even use the most wonderful movie ever made, Groundhog Day, <laughs> as a vehicle for worship. It's hilarious. Makes me laugh from the belly every time. But it also asks a very intriguing question. If you haven't watched it, this is your assignment this week. Go out, find it, and watch it. But it asks an intriguing question. What would I do with eternity? How would I spend my life if time were not an issue? And you watch the character growth. Anyway, it's an opportunity for worship. I encourage you to, to look it up. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself. It's only temporary, and when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. If you're relying on Sunday morning worship only to sustain you, it's not enough. Come Tuesday, if you're lucky, you're going to start feeling parched. Wednesday scorched, Thursday depleted, and so on. I remember a time when, when I used to play ragaball, I was in better shape too, regularly, and one afternoon uh, my expected ragaball partner failed to show up and a stranger walked by. Didn't look particularly threatening or, or ominous or anything, but he asked if I'd be interested. He was visiting in town, his son was having some sort of a track meet and we were on a college campus outside the racquetball court. So I'd been playing for years and felt reasonably confident in my racquetball ability. So I said, yeah, this is like a godsend. I, my partner didn't show up. So every time before you play racquetball, you gotta warm up a little bit, get the heart rate up, loosen up the muscles. So we, we're swinging and hitting the ball. He's got his racket and his racquetball. I've got mine in the other corner. And I'm swinging and hitting the ball in a pattern that represents that resembles a Jackson Pollock painting. The ball is going all over the wall. You know who Jackson Pollock is? Look it up. Um, and I just glanced over in the corner of my eye, and this, this gentleman was standing, crouched over, hitting the ball, hitting the ball, hitting the ball. Every time, no exaggeration, it landed six inches above the floor, six inches on the side, from the side of the wall, in a pattern like this. I knew I was in trouble. He was kind, he was gracious, he wasn't arrogant, but it was clear as we began to play, I offered absolutely no challenge to him. We played three games, I scored six points total. Won the first game, two the second game, so I felt like, all right, I'm, I'm on a roll, and three on the third. I, I, can't confess that I scored those points out of my athletic ability. It was just as we progressed along, he realized, I didn't have to try with this guy. <laughs> I got six good shots, he let me have them. He didn't even break a sweat. So right after the game, would it surprise you to realize that we got out in the quarter and I began to counsel him and explain to him what he had done wrong for those six of course not. I walked away with my tail between my legs, my head hung down, humbled at best that I wasn't all that I thought I might have been before that game. I immediately knew I wasn't the teacher, I was the student. 
if I can go from the ridiculous to the sublime, when you encounter the God who created this universe, and if you have any reaction other than submission, you haven't genuinely worshipped him. If you have any reaction that causes you to think, yeah, God might be leading me in this direction, but I think I know better. Surrender to God is the most natural thing in the world when it emerges out of worship. Are you ready for what God has in store for you next? Has your worship led you to a place where you're convinced that submitting to God's will makes all the sense in the world? I've secretly wanted a fruit orchard, and I live in the woods, acres in, in, in rural Pennsylvania, um, all kinds of trees in my backyard, pines, maples, what else do we got? Walnut, poplar, whatever, we got all kinds of trees. But none of them are fruit trees. We have one cherry tree, but that doesn't serve the point of my illustration here this morning. So I went to a flea market and bought this bucket of plastic apples and some green duct tape that gorilla tape, you know what I'm talking about? And just started taping up the apples to the tree. Now I'm good, right? We, of course we wouldn't do that, and neither did I. <clears throat> because that's just putting things on for a show. True fruit comes from the root and grows from the life that's in the tree. It requires us to give up what we want and accept what the Lord has for us. But this kind of giving up isn't, isn't hopeless. It's not an attitude to defeat, but it's realizing who we are, surrendering to the truth. Stop fighting and resisting what God has and depend on him to provide everything that he needs can be scary to let go and trust that God's going to provide your needs. But it's amazing how frequently God proves his faithfulness to us. Hudson Taylor was a missionary uh, 